great to it's great to have everybody uh, with us online. I know this was a little unusual because we're not in person today, but uh, this is what we felt like was the best. Uh, last week, one of our little ones, as you know through uh, correspondence, one of our little ones um, was tested positive that had been here on Sunday for COVID, even though they have no symptoms, and even though they had already quarantined for two and a half weeks, um, they still wanted to be cautious, and they think it was probably a false positive, but we don't know, so we just wanted to take every precaution, so we decided to do just online today, and because we haven't cleaned yet in the worship center totally, we decided to kind of set up out here, and I know it's a little different, but I think it's great. Our worship team has done a great job, and Bradley's done a great job of getting us online, and so I'm just excited that you're with us. If this is your first time, please hit that connect link, because we would love to be able to connect with you. Uh, but let's get started. Let me ask you, we talked about uh, the game uh, Whack-A-Mole last week. This week I want to talk about another game. It's called Boggle. How many of you ever played the game Boggle? Probably a lot of you have in the past. Boggle is basically dice with letters. And the object of the game is to shake up all the dice, you roll them out, and then you find as many words as you can from this random collection of letters. And to catch it, you only have three minutes to do it. And sometimes you look at those letters and the words just jump right out. But there are times when you look and you look and you look and you just can't find anything there. As I thought about that game, I thought, you know, that's kind of a lot like life, isn't it? I mean, there are times when we feel like all the pieces of our life, the good, the bad, the successes, the, the failures, they've all been put in this giant bottle cup and then shaken up and then just poured out on the ground. And sometimes you look at what's there, and sometimes it makes sense. But I think most of the time, it's really hard to figure out what in the world is going on. As I said last week, that's why I'm so excited about this series that we're in called Hope for the Broken. You see, the reality of life is this. We all struggle with adversities, with stress. We all struggle with fears and overwork and addictions. We struggle with worry. We struggle with sin. And not dealing with them in the right way, it has the potential to lead us down some very dark paths into some very dark places. That's why, through God's Word, I just want to give us some hope. Just to give us some hope. To give us some things that can keep us from landing in those places. Let's pray, and we'll begin. Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be here and to be able to share with our people and with those who are watching all over. God, may something today just spark something in their life that helps them and gives them hope. It's in your name we pray. Amen. True story. A young wife and mom became very ill and and suddenly passed away, leaving a husband and a four-year-old daughter. The funeral service was very simple, but it was full of love. And after the service was over, some family and 
friends gathered around and invited the husband and the, the four-year-old to stay at their homes for the first few nights. He simply thanked them and said that he and his baby girl needed to begin facing their new reality. Later that evening, he brought his daughter's toddler bed into the room so that they could face this dark night together. As you would expect, they both had a hard time sleeping and the little girl kept crying out for her mom. He did his best to comfort her and finally she managed to stop crying and he thought that she had fallen asleep and so he went over to the window and he looked out up towards heaven and he just began to pray. He said, Father, I trust you. Even though it's as dark as midnight. Hearing her dad's prayer, she looked up and said, Daddy, did you ever know it could feel so dark? And Daddy, you will still love me even though it's dark, won't you? You will love me even if I can't see you, won't you, Daddy? With that, he lifted her out of her bed and he said, I will always love you. And he held her close until she went to sleep. Then he took his little girl's words and offered them up to God with this prayer. Father, it's as dark as midnight, and I can't see you at all. You will still love me even though it's dark, won't you? And you will still love me even if I can't see you, won't you, Father? You see, in the midst of this pain, that dad was just trying to find something to hope in. And the truth is, we all go through times of adversity. We all go through times of struggles. I mean, that's just the reality of life. And it's in these times that our faith will be tested. And we'll wonder if God's on vacation. And whether you want to believe me or not, even in those times we can still find hope. You see, it's in these times that the words of Jesus in John 16, chapter 33, I mean, chapter 16, verse 33, really hits home to us because Jesus simply said this, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. And it's in these times that we begin to ask the why questions. Philip Yancey wrote that every time we ask a why question, we are really asking three separate questions. God, are you there? God, do you care? And can you do anything about this? You know, one of C.S. Lewis' classic books was called The Problem of Pain. The book deals with all the different issues related to pain and suffering, including the why questions. After he wrote the book, he met and fell in love with a young American woman by the name of Joy Davidson. He married her in a hospital room as she was within weeks of dying of cancer. Amazingly, after they were married, her cancer went into remission. Several years later, the cancer came back, and at the age of 45, she once again um, was at the point of death. He begged God not to let his wife die, but she did. He was devastated, and he journaled his thoughts down in a book called A Grief Observed. 
It was so raw that he was afraid to publish it under his own name. He writes about how there were some mornings when he woke up. Not only did he, did he not want to get out of bed, but he said he just wanted to die. At one point he cried out, where is God in all this? I mean, you go to him and, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face. And after that, just silence. Now C.S. Lewis would go on to find hope in God. Later he wrote this. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience. But he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now as we think about our adversities and struggles. I want to be the first to tell you. That I don't have all the answers man. I don't. I don't have all the answers. There's a lot I don't understand. And some of you may be listening to me right now, and you're in a very, very painful situation. And let me tell you, I wish I could take all your pain and bottle it up and take it away, but I can't. And no matter what we talk about in these next few moments before we close, it isn't going to instantly change anything. I mean, after all, you still have to go out there and into a very messed up world. So what I wanted to want to do is to try to give you some hope so that you can begin to survive in a world where there are adversities and hardships and pain and suffering. Now, as we begin, I want us to understand one other thing. God is not the creator of evil and suffering. I mean, people ask, well, why didn't God just create a world where there was no suffering, where there was no evil? And the answer to that question is simply this. He did. He did create that world. Genesis says that when God created the world, he said it was good. In fact, it was very good. And so where did evil come from? Well, the Bible says that when God created man and woman, he created them with a free will so that they could choose to express love both to him and to others. You see, it's impossible to truly love someone unless you have a choice in that love. If there's no choice, then we're just like those dolls, dolls that years ago my sisters used to play with. Those dolls, you know, they... If you can remember back, they had strings attached to their back, and you pulled the string, and the dog would say, I'm hungry, or I'm hungry, or you're stupid. No, I didn't say that. But he would say, I love you. And the words would come out, but they didn't mean anything. Why? Because there was not a decision behind them. So let me make this crystal clear. God did not create evil. He did create the potential for evil to enter the world, and he allows it to take place because it was the only way he could create the potential for goodness and love to happen as well. So then, why does God allow adversity and struggles to come into our lives? Well, let me give you a few things. First of all, adversity can get our attention. Adversity can get our attention. I believe that there are times when God will use adversity to wake us up and to get our attention, and he does it in a lots of different ways. Do you remember the story of Saul before he became the Apostle Paul? I mean, he was very zealous about taking out all followers of Jesus. 
He was on his way to Damascus to do that very thing when God got his attention by shining a laser beam of light out of the throne room of heaven and knocking Saul off his high horse. And Saul came face to face in some ways with Jesus. And Saul went into Damascus and for three days he was blind. And then God sent a man by the name of Ananias to Saul to bring healing into his life and to help him to find Jesus. And he laid hands on Saul and Saul's eyes were opened and he could see and he immediately got up and was baptized. And Saul was never the same. From that point on, he became the Apostle Paul, who literally wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and who changed the course of the church. How? Because God got his attention. So let me ask you, what has God allowed in your life in order to get your attention? What has he allowed in your life in order to bring you to that point where he can honestly deal with you and help you and give you hope? What has he done to get your attention? The second law, adversity can lead to self-examination. At times, God seems fit to allow a little adversity in our lives to motivate us to examine our lives. You see, the winds of adversity tend to blow off the surface issues, and it forces us to cope with things on a whole deeper level. Adversity removes the masks that we wear to reveal the truth of who we really are inside. You know, the real us. I love these words that Jeremiah writes in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 40. He says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. You see, self-examination allows us the opportunity to deal with and to get rid of those things that are affecting our lives, those things that are keeping us from having that close contact, that close relationship with Jesus, those things that are keeping us from having hope. But thirdly, adversity can lead to a change in behavior. I believe that there are times when the lessons that the Lord teaches us through adversity and self-examination that they that they are there to ultimately for the purpose of change. I think that's why they're there, to bring us to a point of change, to help us to change our behavior, to change our attitudes, and to change our character. I mean, let me tell you, again, the church wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for the change in Saul's life when he became Paul. Fourthly, adversity can strengthen our faith in our lives. You see, God can use adversity and the hardships that we go through to toughen us and to strengthen us and to help us develop faith and perseverance. I love how James puts it in James, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Look what it says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Understand, he doesn't say that the joy is found in the adversity. 
That's not what he's saying. The joy is found in what the adversity produces. Because it produces a stronger and a deeper faith. It allows us to persevere, to go through those situations, to go through those circumstances, so that we come out on the other side more mature and, and stronger than we ever were before. You see, it strengthens our faith in our lives. Now, before we close, there's one last thing that I think we have to understand, and it's this. When God doesn't remove the adversity, he will provide the grace and the strength to overcome. Get that? When God doesn't remove the adversity, he will provide the grace and the strength to overcome. Let me go back to Paul's life for a moment. Because after Paul turned his life around, after he gave his life to Jesus and was baptized into Jesus, and he began a ministry that was amazing. Let me tell you, it wasn't all fun and games. And it wasn't all joy and happiness. Because Paul struggled. If there had been a 2020 back then, Paul lived it. He was flogged, just like Jesus was. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was lost at sea. He understood what it was like to, to not have enough food to even have anything to eat or to drink. He, he went through periods where he couldn't sleep because he had so many people that were after him to take him out. And then on top of that, he says that God gave him a thorn in the flesh, or as he put it, a messenger of Satan that just hounded him and kept on him. In fact, he prayed on three different occasions for God to remove that thorn. But God never did. You see, the truth is we all want God, just as Paul did. We all want God to just remove the adversity and to remove the hardships from our life. And when he doesn't, all of a sudden we start going off on God. We lose hope and we just want to give up. But Paul learned that God wasn't sitting on his hands when he didn't remove the adversity. He wasn't just playing a game with Paul. What he learned was this. God was getting ready to do something incredible in his life. You see, Paul had to face the fact that God wasn't going to heal him, deliver him, help him, and remove the adversity. But what God was going to do was even better than that. Because he was going to give him grace. He was going to give him peace. He was going to give him strength to carry on through it. Here's something that we need to remember. It's a principle that we need to write down and not forget. It's this. Clouds of doubt are created when the warm, moist air of our expectations meets the cold air of God's silence. Did you get that? Clouds of doubt are created when the warm, moist air of our expectations, what we expect, meets the cold air of God's silence. Let me tell you, if you've heard the silence of God, if you've been left standing in the dungeons of doubt, you may learn, as Paul did, that the problem is not as much in God's silence as it is in your expectations.
and your ability to hear his still small voice. We, we need to remember the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. When Paul prayed and God didn't remove those adversities, when God didn't remove that thorn, look what, look what it says. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow. Now those are some words that we need to take to heart, right? I mean, we need to understand that that's the attitude we need to have. Yes, God may not remove the adversity that's going on in your life right now, but He will give you the grace and the strength to overcome. And when you're weak, He will be strong. Again, God may not remove your problems, but here's the cool thing. He's going to compensate fully for them. In whatever ways we are weak, He will be strong. He will fill the void that's left from our pain, our heartache, and our discouragements. And He will fill it with His presence. And what we aren't, He will be. And what we can't do, He will do. Let me reflect and we'll close. Lisa Beamer, who was the wife of Todd Beamer, I don't know if you remember the story, but you all remember September 11th. The United Flight, United Flight 93 that went down in Pennsylvania from the terrorists that took it over. Todd Beamer was one of the four on that plane who tried to stop the terrorists before it went down. His wife, Lisa, wrote a book called Let's Roll. That was Todd's phrase in that plane, Let's Roll. This is what she writes. Slowly I begin to understand that the plans God has for us don't just include good things, but the whole array of human events. The prospering he talks about in the book of Jeremiah is often the outcome of a bad event. I remember my mom saying that many people look for miracles, things in their human minds that fix a difficult situation. Many miracles, however, are are not a change to the normal course of human events. They're found in God's ability and desire to sustain and nurture people through even the worst situations. Somewhere along the way, I stopped demanding that God fix the problems in my life, and I started to be thankful for His presence as I endured them. Wow. Can you say that today? Could that be your prayer today as we close? Simply that, God, I want to stop demanding right now that you just fix everything in my life. I'm going to stop that, God. I'm going to stop demanding that you do that. Instead, I'm just going to be thankful for the presence that you give me. Your spirit that lives within me. God, you're with me 24-7.
I just want to be thankful for that presence because it's what gets me through as I endure. I don't know where you're at today, and I don't know the struggles you're going through. But if that's you, and you just need prayer today, hit that connect link, because we would love to connect with you. We would love to talk with you and share with you. We would love to help you to come into a better relationship and understanding of your God. He is a God who is with us. And even though he may not take the adversities and the circumstances and the troubles and the problems, he may not take them away. He will give you the grace and the strength to overcome and to endure. And when you get to the other side, you will look back and see the journey that God has had you on. And you will see the faith that you have that has grown and blossomed into what he is creating you to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all you do. Thank you, God, for being with us, having your presence with us, Lord. We just give you praise for that. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We just want to worship some more. Um, as we go into the time of the Lord's Supper, if our worship team will go ahead and make their way up here. Hopefully you got the communion meditation and you've got your elements ready. But we just want to worship today as we go around the Lord's table. So as, as you get those elements ready and as you as you share that communion meditation together as a group, we just want to sing a beautiful odor hymn. It was one of my favorites growing up. It's just simply called Blessed Assurance. We just want to worship Him. And we just want to give Him the praise. And after we sing, I'm going to come back up and pray. And then we'll be dismissed. And you will be able to spend some time in communion as a family together. Let's worship.